This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. With the planet on the brink of World War III, thanks to Russia's brutal crusade to annex all of Ukraine, we now find ourselves in the middle of a civil war here at home in the United States. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight with a giant step backwards for women as free people in America. As I reported last week, an unprecedented leak of a Supreme Court draft opinion has let the proverbial cat out of the bag. And we now know that federal abortion rights protected by Roe v. Wade for the last 50 years are coming to a quick and potentially deadly end, leaving many Americans still in shock and wondering if there's still a way back to sanity if the landmark law is in fact struck down by our own Supreme Court. Abortion rights leaders have been quick to remind the public that abortion is still legal and it's still your right. But if predictions are correct, we'll get the final word on Justice Alito's harsh ruling in June. And unless there's some sort of miracle and several conservative judges on the 6-3 to court have a complete change of heart, for the first time in our history, the Supreme Court will override its own precedent and take a constitutional right away from us. Those Republican leaders who are trying to weaponize the use of the law against women, will we say, how dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? A right that, ironically, was supposed to protect a pregnant woman seeking abortion from the government. And now, that same government seeks to dictate a woman's reproductive health based on, not her choice, but the politics of the state that she happens to live in, which will ultimately make abortion inaccessible in roughly half of the 50 U.S. states. I am angry. Angry and upset. Angry and upset. The United States Congress can keep Roe versus Wade the law of the land. They just need to do it. I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be... This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. We saw the writing on the wall when red states began feverishly enacting norm-busting anti-abortion legislation. But the real clue came last fall when the Supreme Court refused to block a Texas law banning abortion at about six weeks, which included the enactment of bizarre measures designed to enforce the law by turning average citizens into abortion bounty hunters. There, there's a law in force right now that is a six-week abortion ban with a $10,000 bounty placed on the back of anyone who assists any woman in making her own decision about her own life, her own body, her own health care. If that sounds like a horror movie, if that sounds like a handmaid's tale, it's because that's exactly what it is. Repealing Roe is a nightmarish move away from our once cherished democracy and into the desolate landscape of authoritarianism. With roughly 70% of Americans still in favor of upholding Roe, the court's unjust move to strike it down has led the entire nation to question just how this could happen in a land of the free. 
To be fair, it's not just the court's fault. The radical right has been playing the long game and plotting to destroy Roe since its inception in 1973. And now we find ourselves in a precarious situation. One that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi tried to stop cold with legislation on Wednesday. The Senate failed to pass the Women's Protection Act, a bill that had already passed the House that would officially make Roe the law of the land. But without the filibuster, there is just about zero chance the bill will ever get through. However, Schumer's intention was to let Republicans know that America is watching. I cannot tell you the outrage I feel at this decision and the outrage I feel that Republicans who did it won't own up to it and duck it. It's despicable. We're not talking about anything inconsequential. We're talking about women's health, a women's right to choose, and the millions and millions and millions of American women who have felt the need to have an abortion. Just about every one of us knows someone in that situation. And they want to take it all away. And they won't stop there. This right-wing retrograde court put in by our Republican Senate, many other rights are at risk if they succeed in getting this accomplished. The measure, however, was too little too late, but what a difference one leaked draft decision to kill Roe has made. And while we haven't even begun to process the pain and outrage caused by Alito's crass and arcane ruling, the 2022 election has been completely reframed as a referendum on abortion, our right to privacy, and our rights as human beings. Courts in general should follow their, their past precedents. It is a precedent of the United States Supreme Court. And it has been reaffirmed many times over the past uh, 45 years. Senator, I completely understand why you are asking the question, but again, I can't pre-commit or say, yes, I'm going in with some agenda because I'm not. I don't have any agenda. I have no agenda. On Mother's Day, thousands of justifiably angry pro-choice activists took to the streets to protest in front of Catholic churches, state houses, and outside the homes of conservative justices. In the case of Justice Kavanaugh, one protester tweeted, if Kavanaugh doesn't like the pro-choice mob outside his door, he can drive away or relocate to a different state, right? SNL spoofed Justice Barrett and Alito. I'm guessing you're pretty happy with the draft of the ruling. Well, I don't know what would make you think that other than everything I've ever said. And while some fear the comic bits and peaceful protests will only fan the flames of discord, others argue that it's the abhorrent actions of an illegitimate Supreme Court packed by Donald Trump that has thrown the match into the powder keg. We had Justice Clarence Thomas saying uh, in the last day, I think maybe even it was today, that people need to get used to accepting outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a good statement as far as it goes if you're detached from history or you're speaking in a vacuum. But when you have an outcome that people think is tainted in some way because there was cheating in some way or bad faith in some way or the methodology or the arguments made in favor of the outcome are things that are unusual and perhaps even unprecedented in constitutional history, then people have a harder time dealing with the outcome. And maybe you'll, you'll, you'll put the quote up in a minute. It's also especially ironic coming from Clarence Thomas when you know, the, the outcome in the country, the political outcome in the country that has been most resisted 
uh, with violence and by other means has been the election of 2020, which you know has raised a lot of controversy because Clarence Thomas's wife was in communication with people uh, with respect to January 6th and has been a proponent of the big lie. Realizing that Roe was about to be overturned, radical Republicans in the Louisiana House immediately advanced a bill that claims conception begins with fertilization. And even in the case of an ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage, abortion is now classified as homicide and will allow prosecutors to criminally charge women seeking abortion with murder. And when enacted, make no fucking mistake, the poor and people of color will see the worst of these draconian laws. Tennessee's own Marsha Blackburn wants a complete contraception ban, except for married couples, and to make it a felony to send abortion-inducing drugs through the mail, as did Missouri which added a particularly cruel amendment that would rely on Texas-style vigilante reporting to block women from even leaving the state to procure an abortion. Arizona's calling for bans on condoms, and Mitch McConnell is floating a complete national ban on abortion altogether. I mean, folks, is this not fucking insane? And while the right would like you to focus on who leaked the draft and why, it's nothing compared to the garbage that actually is in that draft. The 67-page draft opinion is clear, sharp, and scornful, declaring in its opening paragraphs that Roe versus Wade must be overruled, and that the 1972 ruling was egregiously wrong from the start. The leader dismisses the argument in Roe versus Wade that the right to choose abortion is part of the constitutional guarantee of liberty and privacy, insisting the inescapable conclusion is that the right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition. The strange ramblings of Alito's opinion hearken back to a much less enlightened times like a thousand years ago and also the 17th century when people with uteruses were simply owned by men and had about as many rights as a head of cattle. Doesn't it strike you as strange that Alito would cite a witch-burning white supremacist to dictate the fate of 21st century women? In the draft of his majority opinion overturning Roe v. Wade, Justice Samuel Alito explains that no woman has a right to an abortion and that in fact, abortion is a crime. To prove it, he cites a treatise from 13th century England about the quickening of the fetus. There is so much that is horrific and frightening in the draft and we can't escape the blatant lying the conservative justices did to get their seats or the willful betrayal of what Americans truly want. But it's hard to stop thinking about one insidious phrase in particular, penned by Amy Coney Barrett. She gives adoption as a reason not to abort, saying, and I'm now going to quote, the domestic supply of infants relinquished at birth or within the first month of life has become virtually non-existent in America. I'm just gonna leave it at that, but what the actual fuck? Hearing about someone else's life conducted on a different planet. You know, I did the work with my father and the pro-life movement in the 1970s. I'm now pushing 70 years old. This is 50 years ago. And as I look back, I can only say that not only do I regret the impact we had, of course, it was completely unforeseen, all the way up to including the, the murder of abortion doctors, uh, the fact that now it looks like Roe v. Wade will be rolled back by a Supreme Court dominated by Republican operatives that have taken what we did back in the 1970s and extrapolated that out into a future 50 years later. 
that I find shocking. I would describe myself as a, as a progressive. According to ProPublica, the cult of Christian conservatives and evangelicals, once hyper-focused on the race wars and preserving white supremacy, have reformed their political identity around abortion and over the years since Roe have purged themselves of outliers who disagree with their stance on abortion and the culture wars in general. Beginning in the early 1980s, when it was not exactly cool to be a conservative law student, a small group of students started a club named in honor of the Federalist Papers, where they could safely discuss their far right of center views. Fast forward 40 years and six of the nine sitting Supreme Court justices are current or former members of that club. The Federalist Society has managed to reshape judicial policy over the last three decades. And though it's supposedly founded on the principles that the state exists to preserve freedom, it has systematically produced judges whose religious and political biases dictate what those freedoms are and who is and isn't entitled to possess them. If Justice Alito's draft opinion becomes law, women across this country will have had a constitutional right that most have enjoyed their entire lives taken away from them. I can't think of any time in the history of this great republic where a constitutional right has been taken away. The fundamentalist mindset of the Federalist Society's hand-picked judges are arcane by design and include some pretty strange notions like dominion over women and anyone who isn't white, unattainable idealism, and of course, sexual shame and repression. This might help explain how five men and one Amy Comey Barrett I don't have any agenda ever came to decide the fate of women's reproductive freedoms, but the justices' lifetime appointments make it near impossible to fucking stop them. Or does it? The veil of secrecy that once protected the court from public scrutiny has now been ripped to shreds and for good reason. A change as monumental as the decision to overturn Roe has blown up in the court's face. The Supreme Court, once one of America's most trusted and important institutions, providing a nonpartisan check on the other branches of government, is forever tarnished. The court was totally compromised and rendered illegitimate when Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, and Senate Republicans bent the nomination process to the breaking point and for their own political gain. And to say that the court is irreparably broken may not be a bridge too far, as many of us are asking, why should we respect the court when the court has no fucking respect for the will of the people? And now for the main event. My next guest on Mea Culpa is the political satirist and Twitter comedian, Walter Masterson, a progressive video content creator who has turned trolling the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and the whole MAGA shit show into an art form. His recent work trolling anti-vaxxers brilliantly captures the idiocy of the movement and video he shot while working on the front lines during the January 6th insurrection has been instrumental in helping the FBI apprehend rioters who were stupid enough to brag about their crimes on tape. 
Walt's hilarious and insightful work has garnered him thousands of followers on multiple platforms like pro-democracy sites, Patriot Takes, and Midas Touch. Walt's even brave enough to interact with users who both love and hate him on Twitch and Snapchat. Currently, he's crowdsourcing for his latest venture, trolling conservatives across America. After having been censored and demonetized on several platforms, he'll use the funds to travel the U.S. and troll MAGAs in their own backyards. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Walt, you've been trolling the anti-vax movement for some time. You really are a funny freaking dude. I got to be honest with you. I wonder if now that the virus is somewhat stabilizing and mask mandates aren't being really enforced everywhere and that the state of emergency appears to be called off have the anti-vaxxers moved on to another maga crusade or are they still marching around and trying to drum up support for what seems like a pretty dead cause that's the that's the entire comedy is that it's i started going to these anti-vax rallies they're in new york city and they were taking place after the mandates had been lifted Okay, they wanted the private mandates lifted, private mandates. Okay, they were, you know, originally they were like, well, businesses should be able to decide, right? A private business, blah, 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 free market, right? Suddenly they're like, no, any private business doesn't get to say it. And they want, well, you know, there's part of it has, I wouldn't say legitimacy, but they have a, a real gripe that is, they want the city workers or the people that get their jobs back. They're like, well, the mandates are lifted. The people that didn't want to get vaccinated should all get their city jobs back. And they should be able to work in hospitals. They should be able to be around children. And then they also are big on the unmasking, unmask our children, unmask these kids, unmask, unmask, unmask. And they are so and but it, it is also part of it is funny that they want these mandates lifted. There are this. The other part is honestly, let's let's just be honest. It's a bunch of it's a great way to rally people to conservative causes. I mean, it's a great way to organize. It's an effective one. I mean, look at the the ways to organize for uh, and recruit for conservatives. Listen, you're, you're, not, uh, yeah, you're, not, you're not kidding. You're really not kidding. Yeah. Trans rights, anti-vax. I mean, the you know, abortion. So like those three things are extremely effective in rallying people. Vaccines even more so because you can rally uh, you know, black indigenous people of color. You can rally people that normally wouldn't uh, have any you know, common cause. You know, as I was preparing for this interview, because like I said, you're so fucking funny, man. Like I saw on your Twitter account or your Instagram account, one of the, no, it's Twitter. You posted, you're walking around with a bullhorn next to some guy and you're just spewing the greatest nonsense I've ever seen. I, I'm opposed to, and, and then you start, you know, you start stuttering and fumbling over your words as you talk about, you know, they're giving it out at the border. And the guy's like, what the f- Oh, the doctors without borders. I'm like, yeah, I was, yeah. I'm like, I'm here for doctors without borders. They give these uh, doctors borders, and they they say, oh, stay within the borders. Yeah, that was one of the first. I mean, ones. This, the, the guy that you're that walking the next to is just completely, you know, <laughs> bewildered by your antics and so on. And honestly, he deserves it because his antics 
are actually what's causing death. Yours are causing humor. It's causing laughter. His are causing death and sickness. But when I was preparing for this, I was shocked to learn that at the present moment, there are 520 vaccine-related bills introduced in state houses nationwide since January 1st of 2022. And that's according to data from the National Conference of State Legislators. And of those bills, this is another thing that startled me and actually angered me as well. 66 of those bills, of the 520, specifically relate to childhood vaccine requirements in 25 different states. I mean, don't you care about your kids? What are they trying to prove? I get well, it. I get there it. We go. I, there I get we it. go. See, See well, that's it. Look, I, I get that's, the, Yeah, that's the best yeah. part. Yeah, that's the part that I was going to say is um, they are now trying to go after all of the vaccine requirements, the other vaccine requirements. If you listen to their rhetoric, it it was never just about the mRNA. They're, the rest of it, they're going after measles, mumps, rubella, Polio. you know, rubella. Yeah, all that stuff. They want to go after the rest of it. They're because they're like, you know, they all claim, I swear to God, every rally they go to, we're not anti-vax. We're, um, you know, pro-choice. We're, we're this. And it's like, then, no, it's like, no, you're you want all of the vaccines gone. All of them. Yeah, it's not just it's not just that they want all the vaccines gone. Now, it's it's more. It's this whole notion that we as the GOP, we stand up for your rights to decide, right, what you put into your body. However, they appear to be quite different in their ideology when it comes to a woman's reproductive right. But I w- I'll also tell you that as I was continuing this investigation into this anti-vax movement, the nice part is, again, according to um, the same organization, fewer than 10% of the bills will likely gain any traction. But then again, that's still 56 bills that are going to reduce the requirements for vaccinations, some, one, two, may actually even be specific to children. I just find this to be stupid. And there's a, um, a woman by the name of uh, Rika uh, Lakshmanen, and she turned around and she was talking about that, and I'm going to use her quote, those are all chipping away at one of the end goals for anti-vaccine activists, which is completely to do away with school requirements. That's what people need to be paying very close attention to. I mean, there's a reason why you really don't see polio out there, because you are mandated if you want to go to school, you're mandated to take the you know measles, mumps, rubella, and polio vaccination. Yeah, no, and that's that's the thing. So they all say, well, why should I have to take the vaccine? You know, you got vaccinated. That's your. That's fine. That's your choice. Why should I be required to take it? And one of the most basic tenets of vaccines is that the spread, how fast the disease spreads, needs to correlate with how many people are vaccinated. So if it has a transmission rate of like seventy-five percent, right? That means seventy-five percent or higher need to be vaccinated of the population the worldwide population need to be vaccinated otherwise it will mutate and the vaccine will be worthless i mean that's how it is with i mean that's how it is with covid if if not i mean if only a few people get vaccinated the thing is going to mutate like no one's business so i mean 
not only do people, and it's the Herculean problem, not only do people here need to be vaccinated, we need to ease restrictions so that the people in, you know, the global south and other countries can get access to the vaccine, because if they can't get access to it, it's going to mutate there, it's going to mutate wherever people are not vaccinated. Yeah, it's true. And another thing that I find disturbing is the fact that we also have athletes, you know, people that we all look up to, um, you know, especially children. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are, you know, there was an article that was written, I think it was by USA Today, about five specific athletes who have made it their job to be very vocal about this anti-vax movement, including number one tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic, who... Unfortunately, because I enjoy watching him play, was unable to play in a recent tournament because he was unvaccinated and good for, and I think it was France, uh, went ahead and um, decided that he's not going to be able to play in the French Open. And you know what? It's not like he cares about the money. It's more about his ranking. It's more about the fact that he was supposed to be, you know, able to make it to the finals, and he was certainly expected. But then there are others. Now, she's number 81 in the world, um, a young lady named Renata Vorakova, right, who I think is Czech. And she decided that she's not. Now, nobody gives a shit. She's number 81. Could you imagine? You're number 81 in women's tennis. Nobody gives a shit if you're playing or not. Most people don't even know who she is. But then we get to, again, these superstar athletes like Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn uh, of the Brooklyn Nets, right? I mean, I mean, Come on. I walk down the street here in Man- in Manhattan and I see these young kids all with Irving on the back of their, you know, on the back of their shirts. I mean, there's somebody that they look up to and Jonathan Isaac from, you know, the Orlando Magic. I mean, you know, these are real th- these are real athletes that have an impact. And then there's they what do you call it? And it's expected because he's a big Trump support uh, supporter, I believe, Bryson DeChambeau, the golfer. Right. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, he was wearing a MAGA hat in yeah. one of these or a, a Trump hat or something like that. You know, fuck him, too. But yeah, I, it's funny that you talk about this because I've, I've spent so much time um, doing oppositional research and everything I did. Last summer, I was supposed to debate Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk challenged me to a televised debate. Then he backed out because he's a coward. And um so I, I did so much debate prep with really, um, you know, with actual like virologists and epidemiologists. And I went over every I went to all of these anti-vax rallies and I would just choose to debate people because I was like, let me lose some debates because I want to get their argument. So I like I know every argument that they have. I've heard every single talking point. It's all been debunked. You could debunk all of it. You know, they all point to Robert Malone. They all like he's the godfather of the mRNA. The guy has not had anything to do with the mRNA since 1989. Yes, his name is admittedly on the patent. Everything he said has been completely, thoroughly debunked, <laughs> demonstrably false. And 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 that. So to your point about the athletes, in you know, it is unfortunate because you have you know. There's there's certain places like I will speak to like the white white America white anti-vaxxers. It's like all right, this is ridiculous. The re, the research is out there. It's you know this is a safe vaccine. All of these talking points are complete nonsense. Uh, black anti-vaxxers 
different because, you know, it's very easy to look at the history of America and and just say, you know, what, I don't trust anything the government wants to give me at all. I, you know, if you're a person of color, I totally get it. I know people that have been vaccinated that even had anxiety during the time because they were like, I don't know. I don't know what the this hospital is giving me. This could be some, ster- you know, something, some sterilization. And they thought, you know, they just shrugged it off and go, all right, I'm just being paranoid. This is ridiculous. But even they said, admittedly said, you know what? Ugh, I had this weird thought during the time of being vaccinated just based on history. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a whole thing with regards to them. But white anti-vaxxers, it's like, come on now, you know. Enough, right? Yeah, I, I, agree, you know, I agree with you with that. Do you have any idea if the trucker convoy that caused the gridlock at the Canadian border earlier this year had any particular impact other than, of course, the obvious, right, that what the news was constantly talking about? I mean, who's behind them, if anyone? And what exactly does a good outcome look like for those people? Because I assume that they were the inspiration for the so-called people's convoy that was going from California to D.C. I mean, is there coordination between these anti-vaxxer groups or are they just desperate factions with similar values trying to get some media attention or a couple of more Instagram, Twitter followers? Well, the so like I said, the anti-vax movement is a great way for MAGA to recruit and organize perfect it's amazing actually it's very effective and they can get people they normally wouldn't get right just like QAnon, great at getting black indigenous people of color great at recruiting them right so the trucker convoy i was in ottawa i went to the trucker tell me about it i went in i went so i mean i had people that were part of the trucker convoy they brought me into their trucks. I interviewed people. I had these long conversations. I never told them who I was. And it's not, it has nothing to do with vaccines. Nothing. It is Canadian MAGA. It is bringing MAGA fascism into Canada. All of them had the exact same talking points that I've heard in United States Trump rallies. They mirrored them. The election was stolen. Trump is the president. There's a shadowy cabal running things behind the scenes. All of the talking points were now being spit out by MAGA. Part of it was funny. I mean, I have this one interview with this Quebecois MAGA, and he's like, okay, Donald Trump is the greatest president. Ha-ha. <laughs> it, it sound, it's the funniest thing I've it's the, if it's on, it's on my YouTube channel. It is the funniest thing. I, I couldn't even... Listening to the guy talk, I, I I couldn't even stand up straight. It was just the, the best. Um, but all it is is just a way to organize MAGA fascism into Canada. They all have the same talking points. It has nothing to do with the vaccine. Yeah, I think what you're referring to, like, by the way, when you were talking about uh, the experimentation in the past uh, that uh, dealt with, uh, most specifically with um, with black, you know, at the time, you know, um, with uh, really only African-Americans took place somewhere, uh, you know, uh, what I don't even remember. Yeah, the Tuskegee uh, experiment. And and that was that's the biggest talking point they used at the anti-vax rallies. And when in in reality, Tuskegee was a denial of care. They had just the government had just come out with penicillin and they were giving it to everyone else 
all the white airmen and white soldiers that had syphilis and saying, oh, uh, penicillin, boom. And they made the black people the control group. So they actually denied them proper care. Whereas this is the opposite. I mean, that was the point are, I wanted to I make, mean, right? I mean, it was really, yeah. I mean, I remember if I'm not mistaken, it had something to do with syphilis uh, or syphilis-related complications. And yes, penicillin uh, became the, we'll call it the vaccine for, you know, for syphilis. It was the um, antidote. And for some unknown reason, they were testing other things as well without providing them information in terms of what, medication that they were experimenting on and it's disgusting to be honest i mean it's it never should happen it shouldn't have happened back then and certainly not happening now i mean if i'm not mistaken i believe that the person who ultimately created the vaccination for um covid is a black woman oh, oh yeah there's i mean yeah there's there's one of the black women, one of the doctors that had a, a lot, lot to yeah. do with it was a black woman. And it was, yeah, because it's, and yeah, there, there's a lot of people that whose name is on the patents that had tons of research that published. So it's like they, the anti-vaxxers point to Robert Malone. Robert Malone published one thing in 1989. That's it. He's not the godfather of it. Okay. The people that had serious involvement published just exponentially more research and papers on it than Malone. I mean, they can out, they out published him by just tons. And, uh, and so that's, and that's the thing. And I mean, I swear to God, you go to the anti-vaxxers, they will hold up Robert Malone as if he just, you know, invented it in his lab last year. Right. And they, they act as if he's been involved in it for decades, which he has very much not been involved yeah. in. You know, it makes absolutely no sense to me, you know, um, why they're why they why why are they even doing this? You have to realize that there is a significant likelihood that you're going to get really sick, end up in the hospital and die. Right. And so instead of just taking the vaccination, clearly, how many Hundreds of millions of people have taken it so far, and there's always a side effect. And that's another thing that needs to be corrected on the record. There's always a side effect to a medication. I don't care if it's Advil. I don't care if it's Tylenol. I don't care if it's vitamin C or vitamin D. There is always a side effect related to something. So you can't make the one out of the 10 million into the denominator right it's still one out of 10 million you can't make you can't make that person this the entire set and that's what they're doing well i i know a guy whose testicles you know became incredibly I, enlarged. I swear to god they all know someone yeah they it, it's so funny they all have a friend that had a thing it's so it if you go to any rally they'll be like i know i they'll be like i so it's like, you know, it's like telephone talk. It's like, I know a person that died from the vaccine. I know four people that died. I know five people that died. Ten people I know have died. All my friends are dead. All my, this happened to all my friends. Uh, this, 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 and it's, it's very, it's a lot of hearsay with regards to that. And yet the, so yeah, they've, if one of the people to follow is um, uh, Dr. Cat epidemiologist, huge on TikTok, Twitter, 
uh, and she is an epidemiologist and she fights this disinformation. So I get a lot of my talk. Every time I hear one of these talking points, I immediately call her and I say, what's the deal with this? And so, yeah, with the, a lot of the, the side effects were like myocarditis, young males were getting myocarditis, you know, uh, myocarditis, low grade myocarditis from the vaccine vaccine. And you know what else gives you myocarditis? COVID. <laughs> COVID gives you very severe myocarditis. People talk about the side effects. It's like, well, you know, they this this mild case of this or that. It's like, you know, it also has a very heavy case of that side effect, COVID. So yeah, it's like these people were gonna get COVID, they'd have a very severe case of X. I mean, it's so funny. If you're watching, for example, you know, television, some of these ads come on for various different medications. If you listen to the announcer go through, you know, oh, this causes, you know, uh, anal discharge, it causes eye bleeding, it causes, you know, um, you know, just a ton of things, cancer, lymphoma. And so why in the world would you take something, you know, that's going to cure one problem and give you 30 others? I mean, the whole thing is crazy. But if you actually read it and you understand what it's about, they have to put it in there because the way medical malpractice is working these days, if you don't, then they somehow bring it that that was the cause of it. Obviously, you know, it's without warning and so on. But by the way, the name of the doctor that I was referring to, uh, this 34-year-old, uh, you know, black woman by the name of Dr. Corbett is one I was referring to when Trump went to the National Institute of Health and met with the entire team. And then a few weeks later or so is when the vaccination, you know, was ultimately rolled out. But, they, well, let me ask you this question. As you've traveled, with, um, you know, with this MAGA circus, do you get a sense that Trump's popularity is waning any? And what do you predict will happen if Trump doesn't run in 2024? Something that I don't believe that he will. Now, you think that there's a plan B, and I'm not talking about the, you know, the birth control pill, right? Maybe someone like Ron DeSantis that, you know, this MAGA group of idiots can get behind? I, I don't see the popularity as waning. I see them you know, picking up and a lot of people have become, they get to walk around and go, see everyone, see, see what happened. See, we told you Biden would make a bad president. And they repeat a lot of talking points that you know, can be very easily debunked, right? But they just keep repeating it. The Democratic Party, I, last time I was on your podcast, I said, the people in charge of communications in the Democratic Party should all yes. be fired, thrown Agreed. out on their ass. They're worthless. They're worthless. Okay. So they keep repeating these, these talking points. The Democratic Party does not counter them whatsoever because they go, oh, that's crazy. No one's going to believe that. It's really stupid. So they talk about the Keystone Pipeline, how that's causing the gas crisis. And if Biden hadn't shut that down, they're like, the Keystone Pipeline's fine. It's, it's, you're talking about the, you know, the Keystone XL Pipeline. Uh, they talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. They talk about, um, you know, how Biden's the cause of uh, the inflation that's happening right now. Biden's, and they, they keep pointing to a lot of things. And there's zero pushback from the Democratic Party in terms of messaging to fight this disinformation. So and there's a lot of really stupid disinformation that gets spread that, I mean, I swear, like, you go on progressive TikTok every day, someone's making a TikTok debunking this. And then the comments are just flooded with people saying the exact thing that they were already debunking. So it's just, and it, it becomes very heavy. It's like a lot to deal with. You're like, all right, 
we can just repeat this again and again. People in you know parts of the country are just going to eat it up. You know, low information voters totally. See, it's the one thing it. that Trump was always good at. It was creating bumper sticker taglines that people can easily remember. It's almost like the McDonald's hamburger jingle, right? And it said over and over and over where virtually everybody our age remembers that jingle being played 10 million times, right? The thing with Trump with these bumper stickers, like who's going to build the wall and then you get the audience into it, right? Mex- right? Mexico, um, you know, who's going to pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And one of the issues that comes up is, you're right, that Democrats do not have counterpoints, even, even though it's now over a year since Trump lost the election. People are still talking as if Donald Trump built a wall and Mexico paid for it. And I understand Jamie Harrison, who's the head of the DNC, not wanting to waste time and money debunking something that is so patently stupid and so patently inaccurate that nobody can possibly believe it. But then I watch you on Twitter and your YouTube and so on, and I'm watching as you're talking to people who remained completely disillusioned as to reality. So you, you don't understand the southern border. You just go to a Trump rally, just say the word what do you think about our southern border? And they will go into hysterics. The southern border, the southern border, the southern border. It's not the border. It's this. It's uh, you know, the, the crisis at our southern border. OK, you speak to these people and they will tell you, oh, my God, I you know, what's going on on our southern border is crazy. They to listen to them. It's it's like child trafficking and this and and Biden, I was at a QAnon rally. Okay, this is the the stoop. I, I'm really sad that I did not get this particular thing on tape. So there's a woman talking to thousands of people. This is an auditorium with thousands. It's a very large uh, auditorium, and she is talking about how George Soros is fe- is feeding the crisis at our southern border. How is he feeding it? Well, he's leaving them uh, cans of food, and her proof, her citation was a singular photo with these opened cans of like beans that were like left near the border. There was like a bunch of cans and they were open and they were like the, the food was gone. And that was proof that George Soros is fueling the crisis at our southern border. Oh, my God. It was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that's a problem. The Democratic Party will go, well, this is stupid. We don't really need to deal with this because it's dumb. Why? Why would people believe it? And then they they lose an election. And they go, oh, maybe we should have adequately addressed Hillary Clinton's emails in an appropriate way and gotten in front of it and gotten ahead of it and you know made it our issue as much as it was their issue instead of leaving it to the rest of the public to fight about. I will say it again: they should be fired. The people in, currently in charge of the Democratic Party in terms of communications should be tossed out on their ass. They're worthless. And when I was talking about Donald Trump and the bumper stickers and so on, I bring that up simply because as I watch your Twitter videos, and again, they make me laugh. If it, They really should make you cry, not laugh, because these people are so ignorant to the facts and to reality. But their responses that they give to you 
are the bumper stickers that Donald Trump has made so popular in terms of, you know, oh, well, they're, they're, they're killing our children, right? They're coming in with drugs through the, right through the border. They're just walking right across it. And you turn around and you say, well, how do you know that? Because it's a fact. And you can't, you can't argue with stupid. When you turn around and someone wants to tell you, well, that's a fact, and you ask them, I'm sorry, where did that fact information come from? And they tell you it's just fact. You know, they're going off of what they hear, what um, friends tell them when they're sitting at the pub or at a restaurant or what have you. Well, it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that. So like all of the GQP, you know, senators, Congress people, what they would do is they would they all had those photo ops where they visited the southern border, right? So all of them did that. They visited the southern border, which is more than, you know, what our current administration has even done, you know, fortunately to say, sad to say. And then they all came back and said that they witnessed the crisis themselves. So they all came back as if they just, you know, were flies on the wall for the human trafficking and the da 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 and the drugs and the this and the that. And the stuff that they say will tug at the heartstrings. I spoke to this one militia member at a Trump rally, and he you know, personally attested to having been at the southern border and saw the crisis and saw where they uh, commit all the rapes and atrocities and hang women's panties in a tree uh, after they rape them for, you know, after they mule them, they, you know, mule them, you know, shutter them across the, the border and then they rape them and throw their panties in this one tree. And he visited that tree and it, it's it's like and there's no he never witnessed anything, really. He was just, you know, at the border itself. And so, you know, they they have the power of being, you know, these first hand accounts. Do you remember, if I'm not mistaken, there was some video um, of the southern border that there was a breach while they were filming. And then it ultimately came out that the people jumping over was dubbed in in the back and it wasn't even in the united states it was a completely different wall i have heard more people turn around and argue that we know that they're jumping over the wall we know it we saw it with our own eyes on a video and that video got replayed like a billion times by a million different organizations all of which of course are gop controlled but you're right the messaging is so much better on the GOP side. And that's why the Democrats have fallen apart right now. And that's why we're nervous about losing the midterms as well as potentially the White House in 2024. And no one one calls them on. I mean, part of like part of my comedy videos, my earlier comedy videos, because I went to these rallies and I knew that whole border thing was nonsense. So they all say, oh, we we're fine with legal immigration, legal immigration, legal immigration. And so I would always just go up to them and say, hey, we're fine with legal immigration, right? We don't mind immigration as long as it's legal, right? And they go, of course, we have no problem with legal immigration. And some, they actually sometimes would say very nice things, say, we were all immigrants ourselves, blah, 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 right? Then I say, hey, what do you think about Biden's plan to double the amount of uh, visas that he's giving out? So to double the amount of legal immigration coming into our country. And just all that, it was just the best setup to the joke because- They'd go right into it. They go, oh, that's a terrible idea. Oh, my God, our country's going to go to shit. <laughs> and 
All, all I've said, and so I'm like, yeah, I know for a fact you actually don't want legal immigration. You don't. You're just saying that so you don't sound completely racist. And it's that this tagline that no one calls them on. It's like you don't want legal immigration either. You don't want anyone coming in. You make it. You know, there's an economic component to this. Of they're taking our jobs. They're uh, oh, they all say this because of course they're going to all become Democratic voters. When statistically that's not true at all. So you have you know that's that's the the Democrats' plan is to ha- have these illegal immigrants come in, get on welfare, and go and become. Democratic Have you also voters, ever heard right? people turn around and say to you, there are these entire towns that are filled with illegal immigrants. They're all driving brand new BMWs. They're all given houses. They all have more food in their refrigerator than four families could eat at any given time. And I'm out there working three jobs in order to, in order to bring home enough money to feed my family. Can you tell me where that town is so I can go get a house and a brand new car too? I, I swear to God, yeah, it's the whole welfare queen thing where it's like they, as if so they they're like yeah, so they come in, they immediately get benefits, they they get an off the books job, they get benefits, they get this, and then you know as if they just come in, and as soon as they start you know scamming the welfare system, you know then they have an anchor baby, and they you know then they're scamming the welfare system. And as if they're, you know, immediately in the six-figure income salary, which is like total nonsense. Yeah. And, and again, it goes right back to the to the lies and the messaging around the lies by the GOP. Now, on Twitter, you said recently that protests don't work; that we should all just stay home and vote. Can you elaborate on why you believe protests don't work, particularly now that women totally sarcastic. Well, understood? Well, you know that that they they don't work, particularly now that women and pro-choice activists will be out to you know win um, and trying to save Roe. Okay, yeah. So that was, and I made that in total sarcasm. That was being satirical because the, you know obviously conservatives are going to have a problem with progressive protests. That's fine. They can have whatever opinion they want on it. But in the last few days, when people were protesting outside of Kavanaugh's house, people that were progressive, liberals, uh, fake liberals, you know, fake, you know, closet conservatives were coming out and saying, well, this is this just isn't the answer. We need to mobilize and vote. And it was like, no, there's, you know, you're just they they like give you this like yeah just be active one day a year right and i think it's like i thought it was just so stupid and it's funny because they're it's like they're they're sabotaging anything and i think that's a huge huge problem with any progressive movement in the united states is that it gets hamstrung by you know the supposed liberals supposed progressives putting boundaries and tone policing what is acceptable. And, and that's a huge problem. Most of the people that really flood my DMs and are the most vocal with me about what I'm doing are people that pretend to be progressive. On the surface, they are. They On the surface, they appear to be. But I've dealt with this so much that it takes me five to 10 minutes to just get them to out themselves and be like, you're not progressive give, give at all. Give me an example. You give actually don't example. believe in any of it. And give me one of the funnier, stupider ones. Okay, so um, people come at me and they're just saying, you know, like what you're doing is not helping the cause. You know, what you need to be doing is this. What you need to be doing is mobilizing voters. 
uh, we need to be doing this, this, and I, and uh, you should actually, you know, respect each, you know, and then they say things that, that cue me in where I go, okay. So one person get him, got into my DMs about Kavanaugh's uh, house being protested in front of, and I was like, okay, you know what? That's a protest. It's a legal protest. It's, it's, you know, a protest is only as good as the, it's only as noble as the cause that you're fighting for. Or until, or until Trump you know, sends Keith want. Schiller to go there and to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and then it's, and then, you know, then it's like, then this person starts getting in on me about uh, letting the states decide. And I'm like, oh, letting the states decide. You're not, and I was like, you're not, you're not a progressive. You're a conservative. You're just pretending to be one right now. You, you know, you've said both sides. You've said states' rights. You've said this. And then the person exploded and was like, you know, you know, the left has gone too far. The, you know, the this and that. I was like, okay, great. I've uh, you've outed yourself. Thank you. Thank what you does for that, that even mean, Walter? So you, the left has gone too far. I hear that same tagline all it, the time. Yeah, the left has got. Last night I was out with some friends of mine, and one guy is very successful, extremely, extremely bright, and that's what he said. The left is just too far. Too far of what? Too far because you don't want to impede on a woman's right to choose? Too far because who knows? I mean, it's everything. That's just the tagline that's supposed to answer any debate question that you have. The left is just too far. What about the right? Yeah, because, well, yeah, right, exactly. So that is the left has gone too far is a nice dog whistle. And, you know, listen, it's not that glamorous to be a conservative today in today's climate. And, you know, depending on where you live, depending on, you know, social circles you run in. So people sort of, you know, cosplay as progressives. And then they say things like the left has gone too far, which is like, you know, what? if you go into if you challenge that person and went into their ideology, they're not really that you know, progressive. They're just a conservative. If a, if a conservative were to say the left has gone too far, you know what? Sure. And, but you have these people that they swear they're progressive. They swear that they are, you know, for advancement of X advancement of, and when really they're, they're not at all. And it's very, you know, comfortable, lazy thing to say is the left is good. The, the left is done. What has the left done? Joe Biden is a center right candidate. I'm not center. He's a center right president. Okay. And he ran as a center right candidate. It it's hysterically funny. The left has gone too far. What has the left done? Do we, do we have universal health care? Do we have universal pre-K? Do we have um, you know, free college? What what do we have? I don't even think these people know what socialism is or what any of that is. It's just like these same people got yelled at about pronouns on Facebook one time, and now they're burnt about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and if I hear that, this woke, woke, woke. Meanwhile, it's amazing because there was, a, um, there was an article in the morning consult. It was a little while back. And the article was that Democrats' drive uh, to the left threatens their grip on power. And basically what the article is talking about is how voters see both parties polarizing but that it's only the Democrats that they increasingly say are too extreme. You know, 
I have a real problem. And I was the guy who had a license to carry, a concealed license carry in the city of New York. Maybe there were a thousand of those licenses. That's it's, so hard to get, by the way. That is basically impossible, right? But I was, able, I was able to get it because of threat assessment by the FBI and so on. Anyway, make a long story short here. It makes no difference that the right wants to ban all universal background checks on firearms. Yet every single week, not all that long ago, we were seeing another shooting, another shooting, another shooting. We see all sorts of rise now in white supremacy, in these neo-Nazi fascist organizations growing. This is not a joke. And Oh, you mean you're talking about America yeah, first? Yeah, the America first I sure party? Am. And, you know, yeah. this to me is extreme. We're not talking about, oh, I understand, you're right. The Democrats want to get rid of student debt. That's pretty fucking extreme, if you ask me. I mean, you know, it. Why, why should we get rid of their debt? I paid my debt, or I'm still paying my debt every single month, and I'm not entitled. It's really amazing how the voters are only seeing the negativity on the Democratic side and not on the Republican. And once again, it goes right back to the statement that you made, and I absolutely concur with it 100%. The Democratic Party has shitty messaging. Yeah. And and it's funny what they call someone on the left. I mean, you, you know, by all accounts, I mean, you know, you see you seem very open to a lot of new ideas, but I'm sure, you know, you, you don't you're not like, you know, you probably would fall somewhere in the center or maybe center right on a lot of issues and everything like that. But you just have like sort of an when I listen to your podcast, you seem to have like an open, an openness about everything. No, I would probably um, say that I'm, I'm, I'm probably center left. Yeah. And so, and you're, but you're like, you're not, your views are not by no means radical. Your view, but you know, the right would uh, categorize you as like part of the left, right? Like, I mean, you know, if I were to compare you to, you know, democratic socialists, you know, authoritarian socialists, Marxists, you know, Maoists, you would not stand, you know, of course, you, you'd be like, you'd be out of your element. However, you would just easily, in terms of their messaging, get lumped in with the big bad left, which would be like laughable, like the way they talk about Biden as like this communist. You're like, have you like, how do you how are you guys not even embracing his own his policies? Like, he's more right wing than anyone. You know, it's like look. It's I've always considered party. myself to be a you know a fiscal conservative and a social moderate. And you know, at some point, if I have to drill down, do I believe that a woman should have um, the right to choose? You know, absolutely one hundred percent. What you do with your body is your business. What I do with my body is my business. It's that's just the way that I see it, and we can. I, you know, we could identify a hundred of these type of topics and, you know, we'll agree on some, we won't agree on others, but I'm okay, you know, with just allowing people to make the decision, allow the process to go forward. The problem is that it's, there's no more process. It's, I want to scream louder than you. I want to be more obnoxious, more of an asshole. And therefore I win, right? I win the argument. But I want to ask you this for a second. As you look at the various groups of angry Americans, I assume you make videos about all of them on the right and the left. 
Do you find any similarities between them other than the outrage? And do you think the pro-choice activists will have any better luck of stopping Roe from being overturned than the January 6th folks had keeping Donald Trump in office? Oh my That's God. a good question, right? <laughs> there, there's like, there's so funny. There, there's actually an amazing amount of unity on the far right and far left. They, they bump heads. They bump into each other a lot. Look at um, one of the last bills about providing you know, weapons and aid to Ukraine that was passed. In, so in uh, the House of Representatives, the four people that voted against it were on the extreme far right and extreme far left. It was like uh, MTG and you know, Cawthorn or, or something, or MTG and Boebert. And then it was um, AOC and Ilhan Omar. And these are two people that lock horns all the time. They're vehemently opposed to each other. And they, these are the only lone dissenters. And it was so weird. And so I think there's, there's a lot of unity. You know, it's like if you want to unite, you can unite the country under the far left very easily. You talk about, you know, income equality, you know, going after billionaires, going after these mega corporations and reining them in. A lot of those things, they, they're on board with it. You know, or uh, repealing Citizens United. Whenever you want to, you know, get some unity with someone on the far right, you know, they hate the fact that you know the whole Citizens United was, you know, overturned and that you can just billionaires can just dump tons of money into campaigns like that. So it, there is there is like a, you know, I wish I wish we we could actually have an honest sort of class debate on it with this. Like you, I wish you could run some candidate like Bernie Sanders. And then run some like pro billionaire candidate on the other side, so that like the, the dialogue would at least be honest and in the open, because it's right now it's just so muddled and weird. You know what I mean? Right now with the dialogue, yeah, if, I don't know if I even call it dialogue as much as I just call it noise and shouting. But let me ask you this then: yeah, it's yeah, a lot of that. too much of it. As we've discussed before, you know, you were at the January 6th insurrection, and then you later worked with the FBI to find some of the rioters. Now, here we are just a few weeks away from the televised hearings. Do you think they're going to have any impact, or have we all just grown too weary to give a shit? Also, do you think that at the end of the day, any justice will have been served? By justice, do you mean like, you know, the people in the Trump administration um, Clarence Thomas's wife and people like that that actually aided and abetted and were actively meeting to, you know, to actually. Yeah, I'm not referring to justice as being like guys like the Oath Keepers. Yeah, I'm not referring to justice as being like, um, you know, some of these Oath Keepers or some of these, you know, individuals that went there that are now facing six months, a year, etc. I'm talking about the Jeannie Thomases. I'm talking about the Laura and Eric Trumps. I'm talking about, you know, Donald Trump, Don Jr., Rudy Colludi. You know, I'm talking about all of these folks that people cared about, that people know. Not the idiot that went and followed and joined a protest because he was high as a fucking kite. I'm talking about the people that created this insurrection, that allowed it to happen. The people, the same people that sat upstairs in the White House watching it on television, refusing to turn around to call for assistance in order to save the police officers and, and others. That's the people I'm talking about. 
I'm, I'm not optimistic about that. And I, I feel like people put out a lot of information about it and thinking that this is going to turn the tide somehow. And people don't understand that, you know, what's feeding the right algorithmically and in media is that it was Antifa, it was Antifa agitators, and they've, they've allowed the messaging to be such that it's like to downplay everything that happened that day. Right. Because if you, I've gotten accused, I was at January 6th, I was at Capitol Hill, I saw a great deal of what happened. And I was, I'm accused of being an agitator. I was behind it, right? Like, the, it's so ridiculous to me that that is even a story. I've had people in the street yell at me and say, you know, you were the guy behind January 6th, you were one of the people. And I'm, I look at them incredulously, like, how dumb are you? Probably very. And it's amazing that that messaging has been able to been be repeated on and on that this was a, and it was it was a small amount of people just to, as if it was just you know just a few just a few magas and it's like no I was there it was magas thousands of people surrounded surrounded every single entrance window ripped off every door every artery into the cap into Capitol Hill was penetrated by thousands upon thousands of people. Everyone on the outside knew exactly what was happening on the inside. These people that claim like, oh, we didn't know what was happening inside. Yes, you did. These people came back outside and told you what was happening and you cheered and I watched you cheer. So it, the messaging from it has been ridiculous. It's actually kind of disgraceful that they, you know, and it, the you know it goes on and on from like you know what about the rioting what about antifa rioting well, that's what, what i was what gonna about, say what about, to what about? You. according to donald trump it wasn't maga quite frankly i believe it was antifa right and this is the problem that one statement by him i have heard it by thousands of people like like you on my twitter account i get bombarded bullshit wasn't maga had nothing to do with donald it's all antifa right it's all george soros now let me ask you this then do you think that any of these pro maga groups have any special plans to deflect from the january 6 hearings um they they've already been deflecting they're always going to because when you listen to them talk about it they they're like well you know they wouldn't allow jim jordan on the committee, they would, you know, basically they wouldn't allow the people that were literally behind. No, 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 Walter, that's not, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking if you think any of these pro MAGA groups have any special plans. I'm talking about creating disturbances elsewhere in the United States to, uh, or even in Washington to disrupt the hearings. I don't even think they need to because no one's, uh, their own base isn't going to believe what's happening. I mean, you could have someone at the hearing literally say I someone could get up in front of the hearing and just say I colluded with Donald Trump I met with him I did this and that and they'll figure out some way to just move the goalpost as to how he this person suddenly that person is being paid off by Soros I mean no matter who it is I mean unless you would you'd have to have Trump himself get in front of the hearing and say I did it I knew it I was trying to overturn the election I tried to do this and that and there's just so many cases where it's like egregious where they were literally trying to overturn the election on that day and and that and and it's like it's beyond fact it's like it's factual that they you know what they were trying to do yeah you bring up a good point nobody on the left is 
going to disagree with the findings on the hearings. So long, of course, the hearings show that Donald Trump uh, and his cohorts were responsible and no one on the right are going to believe that Donald Trump had anything to do with it. So do I think the hearing is, you know, is it necessary for history? Sure. Is it a waste of time? Probably. Yeah. But I want to ask you this on a personal note. Does all of the interaction with these crazy people ever get you to personally or on a soul level? I mean, does any of it ever really just sort of get to you? Because you deal with such intense levels of hate and hostility when you're creating your work. Do you ever take a break and just look I, at the landscape from afar and wonder, like, what the fuck is next? Yeah, I took last year, I took a three month break and it was very necessary. I was just at my wits end. I was just, I was literally about to have a breakdown because I was around their energy for so long and it, you know, it gets to you. And my, my father's a psychotherapist. I send him videos and he looks at them and he finds them destabilizing. He says this, watching these videos from this level of unreality, it's similar to when I'm treating someone with schizophrenia. It, it, He's, it feels very destabilizing. He's, you know, mental health wise, it's, he doesn't find them fun to watch. And so I've, you know, come up with some sort of regiment after I go to these events where I have to give myself three days afterwards to sort of decompress because it, it's all, it's like stepping into, into an alternate universe. COVID never happened. The election never happened. This never happened. The, those people from COVID aren't really dead, but they're, I didn't say they, did, they didn't die, but they did die, but they didn't die, but they also died from obesity. Then, um, you know, January 6th was just all Antifa. Uh, you know, they're, you know, abortion, the pro-choice people just want to eat babies and murder babies and babies are being ripped out of the womb and the doctors are, you know, forcing abortions on young women. They're just ripping them out. And the border crisis, there's millions pouring in each day. Stuff that's like demonstrably false, completely untrue, is being agreed upon in this large group setting by you know thousands of people in a, in a group, and and it's it's a lot. You're like this is I feel yeah I can I can imagine I can imagine the anxiety's got to be overwhelming. Also having to be around them, saying oh my god, is someone gonna hit me with a baseball bat or behave the way that they <laughs> did on January sixth? I mean you know got to constantly look when I walk the streets, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder all the time. But I can imagine you're putting yourself right into the dead center of MAGA territory. But I wanted then ask you this because you have a huge presence on Twitter. How do you feel about Elon Musk and his struggle to take over Twitter? Do you think it'll be good or bad for the platform and, in essence, really for the world? Or is it just more of the same? <clears throat> Nothing's going to happen. It'll be exactly the same thing. Do you think that if he does take it over that he'll even let Trump back on? I hope to God he does not let Trump back on. But here's the problem with the whole Elon Twitter thing. I think it's a farce. They, they talk about how they... There's no free speech on Twitter and there's no free. I last summer, I was telling all of my TikTok creator friends, I said, hey, everyone, bring your content over to Twitter. It's so much better here. Your videos don't get taken down. It's so much harder to get banned, shadow banned, post banned, all of that. You can do so much. There's literal porn on Twitter right now. Like there's literal porn then. Like, not just like suggestive, I'm talking about like full on penetrative porn on Twitter. Okay. There's a lot that you can do. 
sometimes their algorithm will, you know, suspend people's accounts unnecessarily. It does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't, but there's so much you can do. And so from last summer, I started being more active on Twitter than I was on TikTok. And I, I have a huge following on TikTok. And I was telling people, come over to Twitter. It's great over here. And so then when Elon is saying, oh, there's no free speech on this platform, my first thought was, are you kidding me? We have been able to get away with saying so much. You, you, you can't threaten trans people that work in the White House and you can't you know, spread complete disinformation about ivermectin and HCQ. Uh, the rest is, is fair game. You can threaten trans people that don't work in the White House. That happens all the time on Twitter. You just can't do it if they work in the White House. As I'm just wondering what your father has to say about you watching porn on Twitter. I mean, I think that's <laughs> probably the single most important question that I can possibly ask you. But, you know, Walter, as we're winding down the hour, and as I say on all these shows, the hour really goes by quick. I have one last question for you. Just about six months from now, there's an election. Do you have any sense of who might win considering the ever-changing landscape of the American public and now the current state of our government? It, it actually scares me because my vision is that you'll have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Cawthorn, and Boebert. They won't be outliers anymore. You'll have people that come into Congress you know, that are very, that are pro-America first, that are really awful, that they make the old Trump camp look mild by comparison. They make the Tea Party look mild by comparison. And so, and that, that totally worries me. And it's, I'm glad that you have progressives finally waking up to this fact. Some of them, because they're not, a, they don't see the information that I see. There, you know, there's a bubble. Everyone's in their sort of bubble where they're, it's very echo chamber with people on every side of the spectrum. So they're not, they're not seeing the rhetoric that's being passed around, you know? So then of course, when something bad happens in the media, they go, Oh, this is going to be the nail in Trump's coffin. No, it's not like, you know, so a progressive that's in their bubble would mistakenly think that they'd mistakenly think that because of this issue right now, we're just going to an ace to win in the midterms. No, we're not. It's, there's a lot of districts that are really up for grabs, especially, you know, so it's, you know, it's, I'm not optimistic. I, I'd love to be wrong about what's going to happen, especially if people are going to, you know, criticize the, us protesting in front of Kavanaugh's house, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but you make a great point here. Every single day, you're going to find one of these moderators, right? And as Sean Hannity says, he's not a journalist. He's a he's a talk show host. So you get one of these I, talk I, show I, hosts. The only time I've agreed with Sean Hannity is that he's not a journalist. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says it. He's always said that he's not a journalist. He's a talk show host. But at the end of the day, every single day, you hear somebody talking about how this is now the nail in Trump's coffin. And yet... Nobody has been able to put the nail in. And just when you think that the nail is ready to be put in, you get somebody like Alvin Bragg walks away. You get another case like the pick case, the presidential inaugural committee, something where Stephanie Winston Walkoff had provided tons of documentation, right, to the, what did they do? They settled it for $750,000. Are you fucking kidding me? 
right? They, there's like $100 million or whatever it is that's missing. There's all this, this abuse of power, including adv- taking advantage of the hotel with foreign you know, dignitaries staying there and so on. And now all of a sudden, it's $750,000? That's, that's going to make everything fine? What kind of stupidity is this? And then again, I didn't hear a single Democrat come out and say, whoa, slow the fuck down there, buddy, right? We're not worried about $750,000. Oh, great. Donald, maybe he should write a check to Ukraine for, you know, for weapons. That's not going to do shit. It doesn't move the needle in this country anywhere. What we need is we need people to be held accountable so that we could finally have some peace of mind that our Justice Department is not corrupt that our politicians aren't corrupt, that the whole fucking system isn't corrupt. This is the problem. And again, as Democrats, we have no message. We have nobody out there in front, like Donald is doing, leading the charge. Yeah, that's, it's it's sort of like a mishmash of like, and I think because of Trumpism and the whole uh, pro-choice debate, you have a lot of very corporate Democrats and they you give them basically cover they could just be totally corporate backed. They don't care about any real like reform, substantive reform. Yet all they have to do is say that they're against Trump and that they're pro-choice. And suddenly everyone looks the other way about every other policy yep. they have where you're like this. And it gives them such great cover. And that's what annoys me is that being, you know, pro, uh, you know, pro, you know, Black Lives Matter, just being for the concept of black lives mattering being for the, a woman's right to choose these aren't like crazy issues these are just should be on a normal society normal like a normal issue yet you know they become this big liberal lefty thing because of you know the opposition and it gives a lot of really shitty people cover to just to just say this and everyone just sort of goes, oh okay they're they're on our side meanwhile like they're they're very much not for anything substantive whatsoever yeah just for themselves money and power and their continued need for attention but walter let me thank you for joining me please my friend you stay safe it's always a pleasure with you michael yeah i appreciate it and i will have you back for sure but please stay safe especially upstairs in your head right you know um <laughs> but keep making those thank videos you, thank I, you, I do truly enjoy watching them and i certainly recommend everybody to you know Follow you on Twitter because those videos are fantastic. And follow my YouTube, longer form content. YouTube, Walter Masterson. Uh, Yeah, that's my channel. That's where I have all my long form content. All right. I'll follow you if you follow me back. How's that? All righty. Walter, be good, my friend. Stay safe. Cheers. Thanks. And now for today's mea culpa. You know that part in a horror movie when you realize that the call is coming from inside the house? The killer has somehow gotten in and now it's up to the victim to either run like hell or go in and fight? That is where we are at with the U.S. Supreme Court. The killers are on the inside and I, for one, believe we have the right to fight to reorganize the court or watch helplessly as our precious rights are stripped away. When Donald Trump took office and said, I'm going to take all of my Supreme Court nominees from the Federalist Society, he handed our judiciary branch over to the fascist-leaning fringe organization that's bankrolled by billions in dark money. In one fell swoop, Donald Trump both delegitimatized the court and eviscerated the rule of law. 
And the court is just one example of the fucked up legacy left behind by Trump that still threatens to destroy our democracy today. Here at Mea Culpa, we're starting a movement to try and put our broken democracy back together again. What can we do when the institutions we once trusted break down at such a rapid rate? When incivility and polarization have, for the moment, inextricably divided us. First, I suggest we end Citizens United and get the dark money out of politics altogether. And second, there is some hope to be found in common sense measures we can enact now that might someday restore our faith in the court. So first, restore balance by adding four seats to the Supreme Court. To undo the damage Republicans did by stealing multiple seats, we should immediately add seats to the Supreme Court and appoint justices who will restore balance. The number of justices is not set in the Constitution, so Congress can change it at any time, and it has done so seven times throughout American history. The second thing, depoliticize the court by adding term limits for justices. I talk about this on Mea Culpa all the time. Supreme Court confirmations are too political. Instead of having justices serve for life, we should create term limits that ensure justices serve a set number of years. Term limits would give each president the opportunity to appoint the same number of justices each term, reducing partisan gamesmanship around each individual confirmation and making the court more democratically representative. Now third, create a binding code of ethics for the court justices. The Supreme Court is the least accountable part of our government. It does not even have a binding code of ethics. So why not institute one that includes rules to prevent conflicts of interest and adopts transparency measures, including the live streaming of oral arguments and decisions? And fourth, improve access to justice and diversity by adding judges to lower courts. While the Supreme Court is the most high-profile part of the judicial branch, the vast majority of cases in the U.S. are heard at the district and circuit court levels. Here, too, our courts are in desperate need of reform. We should immediately increase the number of judgeships and address the court's crisis of diversity by selecting judges that look like the people they serve. Lastly, ask yourself which party wants to expand our rights and which party wants to take them away. And then vote like your fucking life depends on it in the upcoming elections, because it does. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Mea Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea Culpa, nothing but the truth. (sighs) 